Excuse me. I'm looking for a ship. I, I was tracking its signal. You're in Diuno. All signals in or out are blocked. People like their secrets out here. What do you need? I'm looking for my daughter. She was taken, and she's on this planet. If she's here, you're never gonna see her again. Nobody leaves this place. I was someone's daughter once, too. I am Haja Estri, Jedi. I help all who are in need. In return, I ask only a few credits. What do you know of the Force, my friend? Just there's a lot of remotes and magnets. You're a bottom feeder, a rat who preys on weakness. Whatever power you are craving, it will not change what you are. And what is that? The least of us. You came to us from the gutter. All the power in the world can't mask the stench beneath. There's nothing anybody can do about this. There's nothing anybody can do to stop this hate. Thank you to the people who show up for me in the comments and the places that I'm not gonna put myself. And um, to the rest of y'all, y'all weird. <laughs> take you to. Lord Vader will be pleased. You didn't know. He's alive, Obi-Wan. Anakin Skywalker is alive. Anakin. Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. This episode is titled, Obi-Wan, number two, 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 two. This episode will continue our discussion of the two-part premiere of the Obi-Wan series, specifically on Chapter 2, which picks up right after Obi-Wan crosses the first threshold and boards a ship off Tatooine to Dayu to rescue Princess Leia. Now, before we start on the breakdown of the episode proper, I wanted to talk about some artwork that was released alongside the series that is interesting. Now, we all know about Hollywood and their obsession with left hand and left eye symbolism, where someone is closing one eye or covering one eye or what have you. Well, for this series, they released several individual pieces of artwork, each of an individual character, and in each, they had their left eye missing. Now, the artistic twist to this is that the left eye was replaced by one of the twin sons of Tatooine, which is where the show takes place, and paid homage to the binary sunset scene from the original film, where Luke was staring into the sunset. Now the second son is shown in the picture slightly up and to the right of the other son. 
Also in each picture, a character is shown in the left eye staring at the sun. It's a bit hard to describe on audio only, so I'll post a link to this gallery in the show notes. One of the pictures is of Obi-Wan, where you see his left eye depicting Darth Vader looking at the sun, which is a pretty cool image, but it's pretty deep if you think about it. Vader is staring at the left sun, as almost to symbolize the left-hand path, or dark side path, he has taken. Now the size of this left sun is twice as big as the right sun, almost as to symbolize that his dark side is growing stronger and his light side is diminishing. Almost think of it like the Grinch, you know, where his heart was two sizes too small, but in reverse. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting. Now on to the episode. Episode. Chapter 2 moves Obi-Wan into Phase 2 of the hero's journey, the Initiation Phase, where he has to face the Road of Trials and have a meeting with the Goddess. The trial in Obi-Wan's case is to rescue the Goddess character, the feisty 10-year-old Leia. This phase also includes a confrontation with a woman as a temptress, which can be symbolized with Reva's machinations to try to entrap him for her own dark side benefit. Now, following along the Hero's Journey template, I would predict that Obi-Wan will be communing with Qui-Gon in Episode 3, as the next phase of the journey is called the Atonement with the Father. Now, Qui-Gon was his Jedi Master, his father-like figure, so that would make sense to me. Now, as we start out this episode, the darkness of the planet Dayu he goes to is present, both visually in its color scheme and in its operation itself. A character tells Obi-Wan that ships that come in and out are unable to be tracked, as people like their secrets on Dayu. Almost like Vegas. It gets even darker when a young drug dealer on the street tells Obi-Wan that missing kids never escape from this planet, and mentions that she was once someone's daughter too. This fits in with a theme going back to the Bad Batch series last year, of kids in danger in Star Wars series. This allusion to missing kids though is even more troubling, as on this planet it implies a trafficking ring is present, something that has rarely been hinted at in the Star Wars universe up until this point. We then see pretty funny actor Camille Nanjiani as a character assuming a Jedi identity to quote unquote help people, although he is not a Jedi himself. It appears that he is truly helping people, but he is definitely not a Jedi. Obi-Wan confronts him about this and about how he takes his money from people under this ruse. A definite parallel to this character is people who claim to be Christians who are anything but. They use the name of Christ for fame and fortune, and bilk people out of thousands of dollars for their own lavish lifestyles. Now there's a fine line here, so I'm just urging people to be cautious when trusting leaders, pastors, and church officials who seem to be about everything of this world, and not so much about God's word. You can say the same thing for people who preach Republican doctrines or liberal doctrines. Are they doing it because they really care about those things, or is it all just a political game? Game. 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 Moving on, Obi-Wan then finds himself in some sort of space meth lab, 
where he finds his way into a hidden corridor with many secret rooms, which he thinks he will find Leia in, but instead walks right into a trap. A few scenes later, you see Reva, who had orchestrated this kidnapping, being talked down to by the Grand Inquisitor, further pushing an angle of black versus white race relations. She is called the least of us, is said she is from the gutter, and that she has a stench beneath. This really lays on thick with the worst races in the world think of people that are different than them. And this sentiment seems to have reeked into the real world as well. A huge controversy is currently brewing about fans attacking Reva actress Moses Ingram on Instagram with nasty messages. The official Star Wars Twitter account came out in defense, decrying racism, which is rich given how they have bent over backwards to minimize black characters on movie posters in China, namely The Force Awakens. But come on, people. It's a bit ridiculous to attack an actor for a role they were paid to portray, but Star Wars fans can be nuts, and the worst people will always be the worst people, and the worst Star Wars fans will always be the worst Star Wars fans. Case in point, Jake Lloyd and Ahmed Best, Jar Jar Binks, treated terribly. Just like sports fans yell and harass their favorite players online when they didn't score enough fantasy points for them, this is happening again here. The narrative is now set, though, that even criticism of the character, legitimate criticism about her performance, could be deemed racist by the Disney Ministry of Truth. Seems like we are back in the Last Jedi days again. Great. We'll see where this goes. 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 Now back to the story. Reva seems to be the smartest of the Inquisitor group, however, since she was able to get Kenobi into a place where he could be captured. Although it ultimately failed, it was a stronger effort than the other Inquisitor's efforts. The rest of the episode contains a lot of sneaking around, hiding, and an eventual confrontation between Reva and Obi-Wan, in which he narrowly escapes, but not before he's given some news that shocks him to his core. Anakin is still alive. Alive. Recall back to the end of Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan walks away from Anakin's burning corpse and doesn't actually finish the job. He assumes the fire will engulf him within seconds and it will all be over. However, Palpatine swooped in at the last second to save him. Obi-Wan has been living for 10 years with his failure with Anakin, but now it appears that he failed even worse than he thought. He had now unleashed a monster in the galaxy. We'll see how Obi-Wan deals with the fallout from this moment throughout the series. Will he let his pain and regret manifest itself externally? Or will he find a way to achieve inner peace and focus on how his prior failures could lead him towards future success? We shall see. One poignant moment of this episode is when Haja, the Jedi con artist, makes amends and tries to help Obi-Wan and lay off the planet safe once he finds out who Obi-Wan really is. He says to Obi-Wan that there are people that can help him and that he is not alone. This is a big thing for Obi-Wan to hear, as he's been living in isolation for many years, unable to commune with fellow Jedi, and even unaware of the rebellion that is starting to take root against the Empire. I think all of us who have alternate views of what the world is have felt this isolation in one way, shape, or form over the past few years. Most people you interact with on a daily basis follow the mainstream narratives about news stories and are unwilling to dig deeper or to even hear about further research on topics if it contrasts with their own biases. I thank God for giving me a platform to talk about these subjects openly, and also thank him that I found a great community of truth-loving people who work collaboratively to share and spread the real things that are going on in this world. 
Now Obi-Wan is getting hints that there may still be hope for the galaxy. And in our world, other than mortal men to confide in, we must know that God is always there as well. The Lord's Prayer from Psalm 23 instantly comes to mind when I heard Hodge's words for Obi-Wan. Verse 4 of this chapter reads, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. So all in all, not too much conspiratorial content with this episode specifically, as it was pretty much just an action sequence. But this show so far really leaves you with a lot to look forward to, especially the potential confrontation between Obi-Wan and Vader, and how that will affect the overall saga and the stories that have already happened. Let's hope they don't screw it up. May the Force be with you, and God bless.